here. Uh, number one is to glorify God. Um, I don't know how to glorify him any more than lift up his word. Uh, the, David said in Psalm 138, verse number two, he said, I will worship toward uh, thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, because thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And so uh, I think as we, as we approach this issue of the word of God, our number one goal is to glorify him. And that really, honestly, is the only goal in anything we do, glorify God. I would look at the, the second thing is really to edify the brethren. Uh, the Bible says that we ought to edify one another in love. And so to build up and to build up the faith. And to be able to, to, be able to uh, look at um, even some of the persecutions that we've seen. Nobody endures that for a lie. That's why the devil puts the pressure on. Because if he puts the pressure on somebody that's not genuine, they cave. When you're holding to, true to the words of life, that's what it says in the book of Philippians. Uh, the words of, they're holding the words of life. Uh, John, as he writes in 1 John, he says that we held the word of life. We held in our hands. And uh, he's referencing Jesus Christ himself. So to edify the brethren. Uh, the third thing is protect the brethren. Uh, there are a lot of people out there lying. I mean, you get uh, listen to the radio today, any kind of Christian radio. Uh, now there's some, still some good things on. Uh, by the way, Brother Musselman, uh, it was good to see him come in. Uh, that, he was my teacher, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, quite a bunch of, a few years ago. He's not that old, but uh, I'm just that young. But uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and really the one that taught me uh, that, that we have the word of God. And uh, I came with a background that says, well, the King James Bible is uh, the best translation, but at best it's a translation. That was the stand. And when you try to make an issue about it, they, they, it was not a good thing. Uh, so I, I knew uh, there was something going on there, and, uh, and Brother Muslim would open up the Word of God and taught me what it was. And I am thankful for that. And uh, praise God for that. But to protect the brethren, you know, they're out there on these. These guys are, are building mega churches. They've got millions and millions of dollars. They've got a lot of following. They're building colleges. They're, they're intellectual. They're entertaining. They're charismatic. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're real heavy into politics. And they've got all these things going on. And, uh, and all that, and, and they look at uh, somebody like you and I that would have a simple faith in the word of God. And they laugh at us. They mock us. Um, you know, they, 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 it's, it's, it's really, and, it, and it's constant. Now, it's kind of, kind of hard really to, to think how, to, 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 to really even um, uh, care after seeing what others have suffered by the Word of God. But what they're doing is they're impacting so many of the young believers in the fact that, uh, you know, that, that we're, just, we're just simple. You know, somebody that just takes a simple faith in the Word of God, just simple and and un- uneducated. I mean, I, I, re- I appreciate when Pastor Donald, uh, Pastor Donald's going through these things. I mean, this is this is this is actual history. I mean, it takes time to study these things out. I mean, and there and there are there are even people that even know Hebrew and Greek that are that I mean that would believe the Bible just the way you believe it, and they're and they're just as well versed and even more so in in the issues. But uh, they'll say we're all unintelligent, we don't know anything, and everything they do is based on high intelligence and high popularity. And uh, and and and, they, but, and and so the brethren are being swept away. Uh, one after another, and really in great numbers. So really, to, to address the issue 
Uh, not only we want to glorify God, edify the brethren, we want to protect the brethren. And, and really equip people to go home and teach these things to the children. Uh, I don't know how many of you homeschool, but uh, I, would ha- I would have a curriculum that I'm taking these children through on the King James Bible. There are so many good books available. I mean, you could get, I mean, there, I mean, there are a lot of them. I've got a list of them I could give them to you. But uh, uh, which version is the Bible uh, by, uh, by, jo- uh, by Jones? That would be a good one. You just take it through them. They'll take you through all those, all the kind of just good things they could just do as a curriculum. If, it take, if you have to break it up over five, six years, so what? At least by the time that they, they get done, man, they know they've got the Word of God. You can take them through those things. It's important. And so these things need to be talked about at home and taught at home, discipleship, these types of things. We've got to get the Word out about the Word of God, protect the brethren. Uh, I think it's one of the things we're going to have to do to earnestly contend for the faith, you know, because the next generation is going to come along. And, uh, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, getting, it's, it's getting fewer and fewer uh, sometimes of people who will put the emphasis on it. And I think partly because um, when you look at, I don't know, that, that part of that video uh, maybe that moved me most were those Chinese people grabbing hold of the word of God and weeping and kissing it. And you know how many of us have said for years and years, we have the word of God. We've got it. We don't read it. We don't study it. We don't memorize it. We don't live it. We don't share it. We don't do anything with it. But we got it. And we yell at anybody that doesn't have it. We, uh, we, we call them rude names. Half of our brethren we couldn't even put in this pulpit. Uh, it's not my choice who's in this pulpit, by the way. But, uh, but they wouldn't land here because they're not going to be gracious at all about it. They're just going to cuss. They're going to use rude language. They're going to call. Oh, and, and, and everybody's just like, I don't know. And so how can you have the truth and no grace? And so, so, so for years and years, we, we've lost the, the younger crowd because, man, how could you say, I don't see Jesus doing that? And sure, he did. He did call a few people out. But he didn't walk around calling everybody out. Everybody wasn't an idiot. Just a few of them. <laughs> right? Be careful who you call an idiot. Not everybody is one. And, but the idea is we've done this sometimes to ourselves. And so then there's a whole generation. And, and listen, seriously, being pounded out while we're in the, in the meeting you know, get together with the meeting and then go home and live like the world and fight and argue and can't keep our marriages together and, and can't keep our television sets turned off or at least tuned into something that glorifies God and doesn't go against everything we believe. And, uh, and then all of our speech, all of our language, all of our entertainment, it's all ungodly, it's all worldly. And the kids are saying, I don't even, how can we possibly have the truth? And, and they're down the road. So I don't know if it is an issue that uh, some don't have the word of God, but you do and I do. And so if we ought to rejoice in that, we ought to live it. So anyways, this is just telling you the goals real quick, if you don't mind. Earnestly contend for the faith. What are we going to do with this next generation if we don't deliver to them the word of God? They won't have a faith. So then, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No Bible, no faith. Big deal. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And, uh, and we're told to diligently seek him, Proverbs chapter 2. I mean, to seek him uh, as for uh, silver and as for gold. God says, cry out after him. And if we'll do that, we'll find the knowledge of God. And it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to of the faith. Uh, the fifth thing, to recover our fallen brethren. There's a lot of brethren falling by the wayside. They've listened to the lies. You know, they've gone into that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to go kind of jump back into that historical rundown that uh, Pastor O'Donnell gave us. And uh, just jump into one portion of it, that 1881, where they did this revision. This is where we're at today. Uh, we're, we're, the modern versions are all living in that one period of history uh, when Westcott and Hort tip, uh, were the ones who really uh, sprung that. 
And then I'm going to explain a little bit about that in just a few moments. But so many have bought into those lies, and most of it's intellectual. And I don't know if I could say it enough times. I know you already know this, but let's just keep saying it. Let these children hear it. The Word of God is not understood intellectually. It is understood spiritually. The most, some of the most intellectual men and women on this planet cannot understand a word of it. You have your Bible open to John chapter 8. Look in verse number 43. John chapter 8, verse number 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus is speaking. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Why not? Verse number 44. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the less of your father you would do. Now, now there's a lot of children of the devil that don't know they're a child of the devil. Now, there are no children of God that don't know they're the children of God, but there are a lot of children of the devil that don't know it. They don't know it. I didn't know I was a child of the devil until after I got saved and found out that's what I was. It wasn't, in, it wasn't in the gospel I received. Hey, by the way, you're a child of the devil. What? I didn't. I mean, later on I heard that. I was like, wow, I'm glad I, glad I missed that one. <laughs> Whoo, I cruised by, by that one. That was a mess. But, uh, but there's so many, so many have, uh, have fallen into this. And they're, they're, the, the teachers, they, they cannot, they, they go to the intellectual, uh, they, they disarm them. A lot of them are going to the young men, uh, young ladies are going off to these, uh, the Christian colleges. And I'm, I'm not against colleges, but if you can name one college, one independent, fundamental Baptist college based on the King James Bible that's older than 40 years old that still believes the Word of God. Good luck. I don't want to waste all your intellectual work trying to figure that out this, this hour. You're not going to find one. You are Seriously, you're not going to find one. You will not find one. They're, they're gone. You know why? Because they get into these classes with the Greek and the Hebrew, and somebody gets up there, and some poor kid uh, sits down, and he's got his Bible there. And he's all excited about Bible college. He's going to do something for God, or otherwise he wouldn't be there. And somebody just intellectually disarms them by saying, well, you know what, the, the original Greek says this. Oh, oh, I know it's a little different, so just well, hold on a minute. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what it said in the original. And then that poor, that poor young man or young woman is sitting there like, well, what good is this? It's worthless. Who should I believe? I should believe this intellectual professor now who has positioned himself as the final authority in all of my faith and practice. Anybody that's ever been there knows that's exactly what happens. And before long, unless you know the original language, you're done. And, they did, and, and, and so then now it's an intellectual thing. And so a lot of the brethren are falling after that. And these young men come out of there, and then they come, they either take a church, they start working in a church, and they get in there, you know, and maybe they're working with a youth group, and they're like, isn't it a blessing we got the Word of God? Well, you don't, but I do, and let me tell you what it says. No, more than, no, no better than a Catholic, except for they probably are born again. But they need to be recovered. Brethren, if a brethren be, overta- be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. Into that's what needs to be taken. He that converteth a sinner from the error of his way uh, uh, converteth a soul from death. And that's not talking about being born again. That's talking about a Christian that's in error, James chapter 5. And so we've got to recover the, the brethren. We can't just let them go. We just keep, keep, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep putting it up. And then I, and I think the last thing here, just real quick, to open the eyes of the blind. 
to open the eyes of the blind. You know, we can't do it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, is, is probably the, 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 one, of the, one of the primary verses that helps us when we're understanding what we're dealing with when we're dealing with lost people is that they're blinded. Satan has blinded their minds that they cannot understand the truth. And so verse number 1 uh, tells us that we've been given a ministry. Chapter 5 is going to explain that as the ministry of reconciliation. To wit... That uh, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has now given us, those that are born again, the ministry of reconciliation that we would go in Christ's stead and tell them to be reconciled to God. That's the ministry that each one of us has been given. Not the pastor, not the evangelist, not the missionary only. Every born again person was given the ministry of reconciliation. Right at the heart of that chapter 4, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, it says that we do not Use the word of God deceitfully. And that's what they're doing. And when they're using the word deceitfully, it will never pull the blinders off the eyes of the lost. You realize the liberal church today, and I hope you're not offended by this, never see conversions to the faith. They only see conversions to their church from places that preach the gospel because they don't preach the gospel. Go, you, you, listen, seriously, you get stuck in all these kinds of meetings and, and you'll listen to them preach. They never talk about the resurrection, ever. Never talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You listen to them, it's not there. That's pretty important. Come on, right? It's pretty important. So how are we going to do that? So anyways, the goals: glorify God, edify the brethren, uh, protect the brethren, earnestly contend for the faith, recover the fallen brethren, open the eyes of the blind. Um, so uh, 1881, I don't, I, this, this, uh, this revision process, so uh, if, and I'm just going to break it down just real quick, and we're going to look at a few scriptures to see how something like this could happen. Uh, so if you've got your Bible open, we'll be in the New Testament. A few things we're going to look at. Next one we'll look at is probably Acts chapter 20. If you want to make your way there, we'll get to it in a moment. Uh, so what happens in 1881, this, all these revisions, and, and Pastor O'Donnell, as he's going through that list, uh, and, and even when we discuss this, he's like, man, i got to go through it. we got to get it out there. People need to know it. Uh, there's several areas that we could highlight and spend really the whole entire, every session on. And so, uh, so we discussed that maybe we'd highlight this area around 1881, this Westcott and Hort era, which really birthed uh, where all these modern versions are today, every single one of them. And there's a couple of different things that were going on there, and I'm just going to rely on the Holy Spirit to help me get, help me get back to that and remind you of the two things I think that are really key in understanding of why these Bible versions got the way they are. But uh, So a committee was formed out of the Anglican Church, which was really at that time part of the Church of England. Uh, now, you, you realize our forefathers, and I was talking patriotic now, not necessarily uh, in our Christian faith. A lot of our patriotic forefathers did not share our Christian faith, but many of their thoughts came from our Christian faith. That's why we keep getting excited about it. <laughs> I'm glad to be an American, by the way. Don't be burning a flag around me because I'm eternally saved and I don't mind slapping somebody for doing it. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just kidding. I, I, I hope I wouldn't do that. It would, it would break my heart, and I just, it, just, it shouldn't be done. But at any rate, the Church of England was having a lot of issues, a lot of problems. Um, the Anglican Church uh, had even more. And they were calling for a revision of the King James Bible. The King James Bible had been out now for quite a while, and it was really, it was going, it, I mean, it was just, it was, it was crossing the globe. And uh, the power of the Word of God, just, I mean, first of all, God doesn't need us to defend His Word, but He called us to do that. Just like He doesn't need us to help save anybody, but He called us to give Him the message. Like, Jesus isn't coming back to give the message of the gospel, He's coming back to take us home. 
He left us here to give the gospel. And the same thing, he left us here to earnestly contend for the faith. But one of the things that marks anything that God has done is it always bears God's mark. You know, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. You know, and uh, that we should be, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 12, to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. If you're born again, you should bear the glory of God. Right? Because Why? Because he put his mark on you. He put his spirit within you. And so everything that God has ever done bears his record. And you can, his word will bear his record. There's no doubt about that. And so, uh, so the King James Bible was going, it was doing well, being put into multiple languages. And then the, the Anglican Church uh, formed a committee and said that they wanted to revise uh, the text of the King James Bible. And uh, really they picked up three basic goals. One was just to correct any, uh, any of the spelling changes. So if a word happened to change spellings. And if you've ever read some of those old English documents, the spelling was quite different in many ways. And so they wanted to update the, the, the spelling, make it more modern. They wanted to uh, update the punctuation because they, had a, they, were, they were developing the, the, the structure with which we would call today language arts, those types of things. Update the punctuation. And, and then they wanted to take care of any uh, typographical errors or anything like that. That was what they were supposed to do. So they, they, were, they put them together in a committee. That's what they were supposed to do. When they got done, they had literally reconstructed an entire new text. And so as Pastor O'Donnell was talking about that Alexandrian text and Antiochian text, so this West Cotton Hort, both of them were professors in those Anglican schools. Both of them extremely uh, uh, intelligent. And there's a list of, uh, of baggage on them as well, as, as Brother uh, O'Donnell had mentioned some things about Origen and, and Eusebius and, and Jerome and some of these guys. The same with West Cotton Hort, except for the, one of the interesting things about them is you can still get hold of their actual writings. They, I mean, you know, you'll never know more about a person than what they say out of their own mouth. And most of the time when they write, because they write, they just write. And then it's recorded. And so, that, so they were spiritualists, spiritualists. They had all kinds of issues. They too did not believe in a Genesis. They didn't believe Genesis chapter 1 through 3 was, uh, was, was legitimate. They didn't believe in a legitimate uh, creation. Uh, like what you would believe, I hope, you know, that God, uh, by the word of his mouth, created uh, the, the heaven and the earth in three, or in, excuse me, six literal days, you know, that he did that. They did not believe in the fall of man, according to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, they, they had all kinds of issues. Uh, and so they didn't, believe, they didn't believe the word of God as it would have been delivered in that right uh, text anyways. So when they go to make this revision, they didn't just revise the text that was there. They reconstructed a brand new text. It was a new text. And it was the West, West Houghton, uh, West Corton, uh, West, <laughs> go ahead, help me. I said, I'm getting stuck on like uh, Westcott and Hort. See, Brother O'Donnell passed off his uh, stumbling on these names, you know. Uh, give us scripture, man. We'll preach all day and never stutter once. <laughs> give us history. Forget about it. That's why we quit school in the eighth grade. <laughs> but anyways, um, so whenever they got this, this Westcott West and Hort text, it was a new Greek text. It was brand new. It was totally different. I remember years ago, I, I had some, uh, we had some dealings with, uh, with the Jehovah's Witness in Cuyahoga Falls. And, I mean, these guys were high up. 
And we had a meeting with him and we went and sat down and, and we're going, uh, just, I mean, just going after it, going after scripture and then we're going after textual history, things like that. And one of the things that Brother Musselman had taught me, and I thought this was, uh, this was very interesting, he said, you know, when the Jehovah's Witnesses say that they have an exact translation of the Greek, they're not lying. But what they don't tell you is they made up their own Greek text. Now, that's a nice little gold nugget to have in your pocket when you're talking with a couple grand poobahs in Cuyahoga Falls from, the, from, the, uh, from that church, you know? And so we're sitting there, and they're going, they're going you know, back and forth, back and forth. And I said, well, that's interesting. Can I see, that? Can I see your, your lexicon? Can I see it? And it, I opened up, and I said, who printed that? The Watchtower Society. Who printed the Bible that you're using? The Watchtower Society. Oh, man, that's tricky. I'm telling you, teachers will help you, right? It helped me. And uh, so anyways, I got to explain to them that that's really what happened. I said, and that's, and that's really the issue. And so some of them are a good translation. They're a good translation, but the problem is they're translated from a corrupt text. And so that 1881 version of that Greek text that they put out was that, was that perverted text now all brought together. Um, before that, you couldn't really get it all in one in one thing. You know, even like the original, people say, well, the, we've got the Word of God in the original manuscripts. There was never one whole original Bible. It took over 1,600 years to write it. The book of Moses was so, that original uh, document, well, first of all, the original one, Moses, Moses threw on the ground and broke. <laughs> Some of you, the only thing you have in common with a Bible character is Moses. You've broken all Ten Commandments. That's it. You're done. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you know, nobody's probably ever done that. Moses is probably the only one that's ever broke all ten. I mean, oh, he got them all in one shot. Anyway, so then God, uh, God made him rewrite them. That was, that was a copy. I mean, Moses was the first copier. He copied what God had already wrote. God wrote the first time with his own finger. And Moses wrote the second copy. But, you know, those, those early writings, and they, they were long, they, the, the original uh, writings were long gone by the time the New Testament writers started penning. And by the way, I mean, the Bible does say in 1 Peter that no, no uh, uh, scripture is of any private interpretation. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And that's what the Bible says. But listen, so all those Old Testament scriptures were already long, those originals were already long turned to dust. Like Brother O'Donnell said, I mean, things they had to write on, they just didn't last like. They didn't have that kind of, they didn't have the longevity as what we'd have today. I mean, today you throw a plastic bottle out, it's going to be here beyond the millennium. (laughs) It's really going to be that. Nothing lasted like that before. It just didn't do it. Isn't it interesting, though, whenever Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 15, it says, since, uh, since thou was a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. So Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. There was not one letter of the New Testament written hardly probably at that time, when he was a child. I mean, in Timothy's adult life, it was written because he actually carried a few of them. But when he was a child, there was no New Testament written yet. Yet whatever he read was considered by God as the Holy Scriptures, and those originals have been gone for hundreds of years. I would rely on the Holy Spirit before I rely on some of these guys that are telling us what idiots we are. By the way, none of them are going to be sitting on the throne that I'm looking at when I get there. I'll be honest to goodness with you, it breaks my heart. I will not even be in the same line. It doesn't break my heart that I won't be in the line they're in. It breaks my heart they won't be in the line I'm in. Because the only judgment I'm sitting in front of is the judgment seat of Christ. I'll take it. I'll take that. That's going to be a good time. 
Yeah, see, these ones who reject God reject his word and reject the fact that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 4, 2 John chapter 7, verse, uh, uh, 2 John 7 and 9, it's only one chapter. All of them say that he that believeth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh hath not God. Now, somebody will say, well, but I don't know, though, you know, like uh, the Catholics believe that Jesus has come in the flesh. No, 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 you don't understand. They believe that Jesus was on earth in the flesh. But when the Bible says that, that Jesus has come in the flesh, that is giving reference to his preexistence as God eternal, who humbled himself and became a man and, uh, and entered into this world, never ceasing to be God. That's what it means when it confessing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Not the fact that there was a man on earth at one time that was a religious leader named Jesus, but that there's a God in heaven who manifested himself in the flesh. That's what it means. And they don't believe that. They don't believe it. And that is the issue. And their Bibles prove they don't believe it because they take it out. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I'm not going to argue with that, okay? <laughs> great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest, manifest in the flesh. The number one leading uh, version of the Bible on the market today for the, uh, is the ESV. It, it is the one that we're going to have to, to go ahead and, and now do our comparisons on. The NIV has since uh, been taken off the popular mainstream. They took it off, uh, started taking it off about 10 years ago because uh, they started going to gender neutral. And uh, even though some of the brethren have gone liberal, they've not gone uh, that far. And so it was a little far for them. They're like, hey, you know what? We, we, we can't go there. Uh, they've been careless about some things, but they still do hold some fundamentals. Some of these men uh, and women who do not hold every line for line that we do still do have some sincerity and do hold some doctrinal truth. By the way, just think of this. And let me ask you a question, and we'll see. I think, I think at least by two or three in, you'll hit what I'm asking for. What, what, what have you heard to be the number one reason why people pick up a modern version of the Bible? Boy, that was like everybody said the same thing. Have you ever thought how sincere a motive that might be? You ever think about that? Hey, what do you got there? Bible. What version? ESV. Why? Because it's easier to understand. What's their motive? They want to understand the Word of God. You realize these people are victims? They're not the perpetrators. They're the victims. Somebody's convinced them, you need God. And then giving them a false one. Who would do that? Yea, hath God said... That's what the devil said. That's actually recorded. <laughs> Yea, hath God said? And then what does he tell Eve? Hey, God doth know in the day you eat thereof, you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. So Eve has to say, wow, man. So God's withheld something from me. There, there's, there's something that it's good, I desire to make, that'll make me wise, and God doesn't want me to have that? That's the whole basic liberal mindset. You fundamentals are keeping us from having fun. I mean, fundamental, that's in our name, but we don't have any fun. At least that's what they say. Go to the boredomentals. <laughs> right? That's what they need to call us, right? Because they, 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 they tell everybody they don't have any fun. They're not happy. 
I don't know about you, but I mean, some of the happiest people I've ever met are Christian people. Our president, and uh, man, praise God for our president. I'm just going to have to say it one more time. Praise God, Hillary Clinton's not our president. You can depart at any time. Just kidding. Don't do that. Well, you could, but don't. Uh, that, wouldn't that be a mess? Now, I don't believe our president's born again, but I pray for him to be born again. But do you want to know why he favors Christianity? Because he's done business all over the world with all kinds of people. And he's found Christian people to be those of the highest integrity. The ones who do what they say they're going to do. How many of you ever heard of Dennis Prager? Who are you guys? Where have you people been? He's a Jewish man. He's not a born-again Christian. He's a Jewish man, highly intellectual, really conservative, a lot of good things that he, that he has and he says. And he said this. He said, I'm not, he said I'm, I'm not a Christian. I'm an Orthodox Jew. He said, but I can tell you I've done business all over the world, and I've been in all kinds of situations. He said, I've found Christian men in their private lives to be, the most, to be men of the most integrity I've ever seen anybody anywhere else. He says these men are loving their wives, they're honoring their employers, and they are taking care of their employees. He said, if it weren't for my Orthodox Jewish roots, he said, I'd take up biblical Christianity in a second. I hope he does get saved, but that's a good testimony. That's what Christian people have. It's the word of God. And so as, as they take up these modern versions, they get this new Greek text. There's two things that, that, that I think that you'll, you'll see if you study the issue. One is that they did make a new text. They made a brand new one. And so that uh, West, Westcott and Hort text was not the same. They brought all of, the, all of it together. They had the things. It's like Brother, what Pastor O'Donnell said. They had the, uh, the, the right works available to them, but they chose not to use them. Why wouldn't they use them? Because they didn't believe them. And because they already have beliefs. So they want to pass on their beliefs, but they cannot do it with the Word of God because the Word of God is contrary to their beliefs. So they make up a new Word of God so they can put that forth, which in, embraces their beliefs. That's why uh, they, don't, they take out the deity of Jesus Christ. They don't believe He's God. That's why they hammer the creation. You know, and, and seriously, listen, and they'll go back and they'll tell you, oh, you need the Hebrew, and I'm going to do some word studies tomorrow night, I think. I don't know how time is, is important, I know. But I want to do some word studies. I remember teaching this uh, thing a while back, a couple years ago, and somebody said, well, if you don't know the Hebrew, how do you know, uh, how do you know uh, uh, that God is plural uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1? In my mind, I'm thinking, I didn't know God was plural. Okay, just, I'm just, just park there for a second. But what he said was, well, the Bible, the, the, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the, word, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim. And that's plural. I said, are you Trinitarian? They said, well, I believe the Trinity. I said, I didn't ask that. Are you a Trinitarian? Because the Trinitarian believes that God is plural. They believe there's three gods. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they're separate and they are not one God. See, we have what's been delivered to us, whether you understand it completely or not. I know you can read, and I know you know this. The Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. There is only one God. There's not three gods. 
And so with his, with his play on this, well, I know that word is Elohim, it, it means that, that, that it, it proves that God is plural, is a faulty assumption to begin with. But see, this is what they do. They go back, they don't understand what they're reading, neither do they understand how they're interpreting it, and they overturn the very doctrines that hold up the faith which we have that has brought us to Christ and will someday be, will be delivered into his kingdom and, uh, through this blessed word, the promises we have. So they don't know what they're changing. They take the blood out, they take eternal security out, uh, the, 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 the eternal salvation of the believer. Uh, they take the church out. Uh, you know, why, why, why do they believe there's a universal church? They don't even believe there's a local church, a local assembly of, of baptized believers voluntarily joining themselves together to do the work of God in this world. They don't believe it. Why? Because their Bibles don't teach it. Why don't they evangelize? Because their Bibles don't teach it. And they take all these things out because they don't believe them. And then they interject spiritism. Uh, all kinds of issues and things. So, so it all started because of that. Now, that, that's the first thing. They have a corrupt text. The other thing that they do is the way that they do interpret. And when, when we mentioned like the, the New King James Version, and some of these things will get, uh, will get talked about later, but how, how that they translate it from one language to another. There's two ways that are, the, the two most popular ways of doing that. I don't want to choke you with this stuff because it's, it's, it, 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 it's true and it's helpful it just gets to be a lot, especially when it's 24 minutes after 9. <laughs> All right? So there's one way called formal equivalency, and then there's another way called dynamic equivalency. Formal equivalency, dynamic equivalency. Basically, all that is you're taking one thing, whatever language it's written in, you want to get it into another language. One way you could do it is a formal equivalency. What, what they would do is they would look at the word in that language. Let's just say it's French. They want to put it into Spanish. They look at the word in French. They would find a word in Spanish, and they'd use that word. They'd go to the next word. Whatever that word is in French, they'd find the word in Spanish. They would use that word. That's formal equivalency. Dynamic equivalency is they read the French... They sit back, hmm, what does that mean? And then they write it in Spanish based on what they think it means. So now you're not getting a translation, you're getting an interpretation. And what is the interpretation going to be based on? Now it's a private interpretation, it's going to be based on the beliefs of the men interpreting it. How important is that? I've got a ton of scripture. I'm going to give you one, and we're going to go. Matthew 26. Um, I said one, but if, one, if another one falls out, we're, it's the Holy Spirit. Take it up with him. I should be careful saying that because he might say, I didn't say that. You shut up. Then I'll have to talk to myself out loud and say, okay. Matthew 26. This is, this is, this is interesting. All right. And so... Uh, Verse 57, they, and they that laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Man, that's, that's something there. This is the night Christ is going to be crucified. Verse 59, now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death but found none. Hallelujah. Yea, uh, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. Verse 61. 
and said, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. God calls him a false witness. Jesus did say that. You know, they may have said what he said, but the way they interpreted it was the error. And that's an issue. See, we don't get to interpret God's word. He gets to interpret. We could just say what he says. The way they interpreted it was he was talking about that physical temple. He, he, and he, he was very clear. He was talking about his own, bio, his own body. Now, they may not have known that, but see, the thing about it is rather than them coming and saying, hey, this is what he said, you figured out what it means, they implied what it meant, and they're what, they're what, that's how they became false witnesses. And so somebody that would come with a dynamic equivalency and say, well, you know, we're just trying to translate this into, a, into, into another language, and, uh, but, but really what they're doing is they're giving their interpretation of it. And in this instance, these men wanted Christ crucified, so they made sure it got bent in a way that it was negative toward him. And that's called a false witness. Paul said, I mean, he, he stood before those Ephesian elders in, in the book of Acts, and he wept. He wept in Acts chapter 20. And he said, I mean, he said, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, and uh, drawing away disciples after them. And, uh, and so that's what, that, that's what they, speaking, the Bible says, perverse things all the way through. Uh, that's what the, the Bible says that's what's going to happen. And the Second Corinthians uh, it says that we're not of those that corrupt the word of God. Those Ephesian, <clears throat> those Ephesian elders didn't listen to that. Those pastors and preachers didn't listen to that warning. <clears throat> and uh, so those teachers came in and they began to teach false doctrine. Uh, several years later, the Apostle Paul ends up in prison. Uh, Timothy is at Ephesus, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 3. Timothy is at Ephesus pastoring that church. He was put there to charge them that they would teach no other doctrine. But they had already allowed other doctrine to be taught. There were already issues that had risen in that church. By the time Paul gets to 2 Timothy, he's in prison. This time he's not coming out. He tells Timothy, he said, listen, you need to, you need to get with it, man. You're, you're, I, I really believe Timothy was, I mean, he was getting beat up. These people were beating him up. These false teachers had gotten in there. They'd gotten so much garbage in. And you can read all that. It's in there. And, uh, and Timothy, it, it, this is where Paul says, hey, God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Timothy, don't be ashamed of me or my chain or the testimony of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not ashamed. He said, I'm not ashamed. I know whom I believe and am persuaded that God's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That was what Paul was saying. And then he says in verse number 15, 2 Timothy chapter 1, you know that all they in Asia be turned away from me. That is profound. Asia, Ephesus, the key city in Asia, Smyrna, Thyatira, Laodicea, Sardis, Philadelphia, all those churches that those letters were written to in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 are all in that region. And Paul was in Ephesus for two years, two and a half years, preaching the gospel, going out. Churches are being started. People are being saved, baptized. Preachers being raised up. A wonderful work has gone on. But they didn't heed the word of God. And the false teachers came in. And by the time Paul's in prison before he's dying, he says, Timothy, you know that nobody in Asia holds to what I gave. They've all turned their back on me. 
That's a powerful statement to make. And it's right there in the Word of God. And you think today, while we just uh, just uh, throw our Bible uh, down to the wayside and don't look at it even hardly, sometimes when the preacher or the teacher is preaching, we don't read it, we don't study it, we don't hold it, we don't proclaim it. You think there's any way we're going to know and see these false teachers coming? They're wise, they're intellectual. I mean, the devil's no dummy, although he's an idiot. I'm not afraid to say that, by the way. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to fight with him either, but I don't have to. I mean, Jesus Christ is do our fighting for us. But that was what he's been doing this for a long time. And so if we don't get this serious about this issue, I'm not serious. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a terrible thing to get to the end of our lives. I mean, get ready to put us in the ground and find out we never lived. We never lived for anything that had any purpose. We never lived for anything that had anything worth living for. It's the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And if you want to live... They take a stand on that blessed book. And so they made a new one. And when they made a new one, people bid onto it because they were intellectual. Yeah, those disciples, ignorant and unlearned. It's always been that way. <laughs> it's still that way today. As they said about disciples, oh, they're ignorant and unlearned men. Yeah, but they turn the whole world upside down. We're ignorant and unlearned. Let's deal with it. Why don't we go turn the world upside down? We're not turning it upside down because the word of God's been taken from us in many places. Many of the churches, many of the preachers don't believe it. Listen, I mean, there's been some men in my life, I was just shocked to find out what their stand was on the Word of God. Shocked. And you look back and say, no wonder there was no power. I mean, how, how, how could these truths, which God said He would hold His Word, He would do it. How can our churches be so weak when we have the Word of God? How can we be so weak when we have the Spirit of God within us because we've been convinced it's not enough? We got the psychologists, we got the psychiatrists, we got the television, we got the entertainment, we got all these kind of things. We better get back to the Word. All right, anyways, I'm done. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this evening.